Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To The Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon here with my co-host, Eric Trexler. Eric. Rachel, that was that was your deep voice again. You like it? You like my very professional podcast voice. <laughs> you, you did sound very professional. I want to get on like smooth radio, jazz at noon or something like that. I feel like that's my calling. The cyber thing, psh, you know. <laughs> I agree. One of my sure mics has a, um, a setting where you can do that like deep radio voice. <laughs> and it kind of freaks me out. I'm going to start doing that on calls, on Zoom calls. But anyway, that's that's for another day. Let me, I'm excited to introduce today's guest. Can I tell I you? I know Can you're you tell? excited. Can you tell? I am excited for us. Okay, let's get into this. So welcome to the podcast, Brian Knappenberger, a documentary filmmaker and uh, who Decider Magazine just last month or in June said, uh, called him the best director documenting our digital age. Wow. Brian, welcome to the uh, podcast. Good. That's a good intro. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's exciting. The best well, is always a good intro. Isn't it though? And <laughs> yeah, it's true. Absolutely. And it's true because like, it was such an amazing article. I'll link to it in, in the notes, but uh, I, I think it's a wonderful kind of overview of your work and, and the awesomeness, but also, you know, how deep that you go into the storytelling. And for those that maybe aren't aware, you know, uh, Brian, right, executive producer and director, uh, Web of Make Believe, Death Lies, and the Internet, currently on Netflix, which is a riveting, riveting series. I mean, how do you even come up with that? I think it's what, like six episodes and the last one's a two-parter? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's such an expansive world out there. How could you even get it down to just those few stories? Well, that's true. We, it was it was an effort to kind of figure out the, the right combination of stories that would that would kind of get at what we were that, that kind of blend of uh, misinformation and this kind of, you know, this chaotic world we live in online. So it was, a, it was a bit of a challenge to kind of figure out which of these, you know, what stories would really kind of get at, at the different elements we, we wanted to talk about. But um, what's that process? Um, well, in this case, I do. I've done a couple, you know, I've done a bunch of different movies um, and I'm attracted to these kind of stories. I think over time, I've just kind of collected a bunch of stories of things that I've wanted to either keep, keep an eye on or, um, uh, or just kind of put in a, the back of my mind, or I met somebody who was involved with this, which is the case with the, the Stingray story, the Daniel Rigmaiden story. I met yes. him right when he came out of prison initially, and I was just always really curious about his story. So these are, these are kind of stories, um, you know, files, things that I've kind of kept around for a while that just hadn't, didn't make sense to make a full feature about, but, but made sense as a piece of reaching for this kind of larger point we wanted to make about misinformation. But you pull them into that greater, I was going to say thesis, but that, that greater grouping around misinformation, disinformation, and, and it's riveting from week to week. Yeah. Th thanks. Yeah. It's uh, like they, they fit together is what I'm saying. It's not a disconnected no. set of documentary in interviews and stories. It's, it's wow. What's next? Yeah. Where's yeah. he going to go next? <laughs> right. We, we start the whole series with this uh, quote, this sort of famous Marshall McLuhan quote that we lived, we live invested in an in electric information environment that is quite as imperceptible as us as water is to fish. 
Um, and so it is this world we swim in that we don't always see, right? Or we don't always understand, uh, but it's having a real effect, a real life effect on us uh, and shifting and changing what we think, even though we don't quite understand. We don't quite understand it. Marshall McLuhan wrote that in the 60s, by the way. But it, I think it's, I think it reflects kind of how we all feel right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I was, um, I was really struck by, you know, because we had all heard about the Seth Rich story. You know, I think that was the opening um, episode. And and I, I didn't ever really think about it from that perspective. I mean, how, how do you kind of, um, I mean, you really dug into it from, from kind of holistically, from a 360-degree view. I mean, how do, you, how do you even kind of come to that point? And how, do you, how are you even able to tell the story from that vantage point and, and getting all of these folks to you know, share perspective, plus all the clips that you cut in, you know, from media were really, it really, I mean, really sad. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a fascinating, I, the Seth Rich story is really, really fascinating to me. Um, I think that the, the way it started is that, um, that we were, we were able to interview Seth Rich's parents. And this is the first mm -hmm. time uh, that they came forward in an interview. They also talked to David Fulkenflake at NPR. Uh, virtually at the same time, we, and so this is the first time that they've come public about what happened and what they've what they've gone through, and uh, that was an interesting for us a really interesting way into the story because this is a story of of misinformation and the way you know it's just so interesting how this um, what happened here kind of escalated and was manipulated by so many yes. different people and so many different forces. But you know that there's a real human story at the heart of this. I mean, the, this parent, these parents, um, they lost their son, and they were they are trying to figure out what actually happened, what the what right. the truth is, how, who murdered our son, and this is very clear what they're, what they're after, and all of this swirl, this tsunami of misinformation that's coming out of this story, um, is leading them further away from their central. Quest, right. Yeah. Um, right. It's leading them further away. You know, as every day that goes by, it becomes more difficult for them to uh, to understand what really happened to their son, and and the story of what happened to their son gets more and more outlandish in the hands of these political operatives. I want to take a step back for a second for people who may not have seen the episode or read about Seth Rich. He he was a a slain DNC Democratic National Committee staffer. Uh, died in, I want to say, July of 16, August of 16, right during the election process, as, as, as Hillary Clinton's emails were being exposed. Is that fair, Brian? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, okay. And, and then he was, his death was, I guess, exploited is the best way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair, I think. But part of the way of looking at this episode for us was looking at the story, just, just following this piece of misinformation. And, and just sort of tracking it, seeing like a map almost. How do you how do you follow how this where this went and and, and what happened? And um, you know, this starts it starts as a local kind of news story. Um, local in know, D.C. or Nebraska, where he's from? In D.C. Um, and, and they and the D.C. police thought it was just oh, we've had we've had murders in this part of D.C. Yeah, standard robbery, probably yeah. not a not a big deal. I, I can't yeah. believe I just said that. Right, we're we're talking about a murder in the in the nation's capital, but 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 they basically thought it was a robbery, and he got caught up in a robbery of some sort. That's right, and 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 there had been some other um, uh, deaths in that area before that, right? Uh, and there had been 
there, it had it was an area that was that had some crime in it. So that's that's sort of what the DC the Metro Police believed at the beginning. Um, but it becomes you know this is if you flash back to that if you sort of rewind back to that period of time this is a period of yes you know, the, the election the Trump election is in full swing. There is a lot of speculation about about um, what's happening with either Russian misinformation or uh, Russian interference in the election in some way. Um, lots of speculation about what's happening. And so this feeds right into that. Um, you know, Seth had worked at the DNC um, at, in voting rights. He was, uh, he, was, he was, I think, kind of obsessed with voting, the mechanics of voting, getting people out to vote. Um, registering people for vote, that sort of thing. And Hillary had just gotten the nomination. He was um, it, it, to be the Democratic uh, candidate. And he had gotten a, a job offer to work on the Hillary campaign. His parents said that was his preferred candidate. And um, he was mulling that over uh, that night. He clearly had a lot to drink. You know, he was at this bar. He was bar and grill. And he was walking home late. And, and it was clearly a... Um, you know, you can imagine yourself in your early 20s. It was a period of time when he was thinking through his choices. It was a big deal. Yeah. He'd have to move away from his girlfriend. He had multiple conversations, lengthy conversations with his girlfriend that night. It was a real, it was one of those real, you know, early 20s life moments as, as he's had a few drinks and is walking home. And, um, and uh, that's when he's, that's when he's, he's shot. Um, they think it was a robbery gone bad. I think they were scared. There was no video surveillance or anything. Um, uh, there was one. There was one clip where you see um, like uh, legs, right? Legs right, coming right. through the frame. But other than that, it's inconclusive. And that begins this story. Um, but but the but the connection to the Hillary Clinton campaign, um, the and and the already established kind of misinformation that Hillary Clinton is a, is a, is. Uh, I don't know. We've all heard it. The cabal of killers and, and bodies that she's left in her wake. Um, you know, the, this this feeds into this and and becomes and, and basically we're we're uh, we're off to the races in one of the, one of the weirdest kind of conspiracy theories of, of the last few years. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and it's you and it it really struck home too as as you're you know, kind of looking at all the sides of this though, that what got lost was that he's a human being. This was a person. Yeah. He's not a thing, you know, but as, as it grew and grew and grew, he just became more like this kind of digital thing that people were volleying about. And his parents, like, we just literally that, I mean, it broke my heart for them because it yeah. seemed like there was no one they could trust to help them find the truth of what really happened. Yeah. Right. And they're in Nebraska. I mean, they're quite a ways away from Big city DC. Yeah, and there. This is this is um, you know they're a fish out of water in this in, in political misinformation environment. They, I, I think you know there's a series of people that come in who are ostensibly trying to help them, or at least say they're going to try to try right. to help them find the, their son, and they step in and they they're doing anything but you know the, the very best you can say of some of them are, are that they just want the publicity or they want right they want the publicity. Others are really seem to be, uh, I think, actively trying to um, use this story to um, to deflect from a potential Russian interference um, on the side of Trump, just to sort of confuse the waters a little bit, um, and and, and want to sort of pursue that. But in any case, there's a series of figures, and we kind of plot these out. 
of people that come in and try to use this story in some in some way uh, for to make a political point. Yeah, it's it 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 just really struck me because I you could see it especially as you know younger people today they they only have the internet and social media. Um, you know, and, and as I like to talk about on the podcast, I just recently kind of got on TikTok just to see what it was all about, mm-hmm. Brian. Um, and I get sucked in because the algorithm figured out I really like dog videos uh, and kittens. And so it's just serving me up, you know, and the serotonin. I mean, it's giving me giving me the juice. But mm-hmm. it's you do kind of forget you're living your life online, you know, and and, and it's not real life. And mm-hmm. uh, and so I've kind of like, I got to put the TikTok down, but it's, it kind of dovetails into the, the gal that you got to go on camera with, um, who had the Nazi affiliation and somehow she yeah. got into that trying to like understand it because she thought it was crazy and then got sucked into it. And I just think that's a really, it's a fascinating story, but I think a real slippery slope that people are forgetting about when you get sucked in online. It's like a game until it's not a game. Yeah. That was episode three, I think. I'm not a Nazi. Uh, that is yes. episode yeah, two yeah, or three. Yes. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Three. Yeah. That that was scary. Yes. Yeah. She. That, and I think that's exactly right. You you, you sort of track um, the way that she. I mean, I think she was, and she would probably say this that she's. You know, it was a difficult time in her life. She was confused. Um, was going through these kind of relationships, and um, you, we do sort of track. Uh, her thinking and where she gets this information and what kind of leads her to the next step, uh, which seems shocking at first, but then uh, she learns to sort of deal with it and live with it. And that takes her to the next step and takes her to the next step. So this, this pathway that is aggravated by algorithms of YouTube and other social media outlets that, that can, can sense you like you like dog videos or, or can sense that we like, I guess more, more directly that we like conflict that, that there is a sort of um, amping up or uh, uh, you know, just taking someone to that next level is increasing their engagement. And so this becomes this rabbit hole that people can kind of go down. Yes. And I was really curious about right. that and what she, what she, where she was and who she was. I mean, look, I think there's a lot of confusion about her too. You know, you want, you look at her and, and I met her and hung out with her and I, you know, you, you wonder, is she, is she telling the truth now? Right. Is she, you know, is this how she really feels? I I do think it's how she feels. But, um, but, you know, there's, to some degree, she was at a point where she went down this rabbit hole. And a lot of people that are on YouTube and don't do this. So, uh, so you have to kind of uh, understand and the complexity of her character, I think is one of the things that makes it so kind of compelling. The way she described the questioning and the desired response was fascinating to me, right? It it wasn't, are you a white supremacist? It was, it was easing into, and then it seemed like they would build. And there was a whole, scripted may not be the right word, but architected recruitment process Mm -hmm. to, to, to get you to where they wanted you to be from a white nationalistic perspective without saying, you know, we, we, we hate, you know, we're anti-Semitic. We hate the Jews. We, you know, they didn't go right there. Yes. It was almost easing you in like a, almost like a gating process. Right. And as, as she was interviewed and just understanding that was fascinating to me. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. So you have these sort of parallel things happening, right? You have the, the algorithm, which is kind of maybe nudging you towards more extreme thinking. But within right. these groups, what you're saying, I think, is, is within these groups, there's an awareness that if they go right to the more extreme stuff that could, that could, 
either you know, it, it right. could not be helpful for their for their recruiting cause. So right. um, there is this sort of easing into this with you know prof- you know guarded language and certain professors and stuff that say say um, you know ideas on immigration policy and things like that that are that are kind of stepping stones into this that and and a kind of rel- relatively sophisticated awareness that that you can walk someone down this path if they're if they're maybe already open to it. It made me think about just disinformation, misinformation in general. Like, how do you take somebody from where they are to where you want them to be? Mm-hmm. What's that process? Whether internet driven, right. whether in person in meetings. She went to the party in New York mm-hmm. in, in this in in this uh, episode, and and then it it starts building from there. And you almost you, how do you how do you change the mindset of somebody? especially to do be something very deviant or extreme. Let's, let's use the word extreme. I don't, I don't care if you're right or left. I don't care what you believe in, but how do you take somebody from where they are to where you want them to be? What are the tools and techniques that, that they use? And, and it just, my mind, as I watched the episode, just, it, it just started thinking about all the, all the shaping of the clay almost, yeah. Brian. It, w- it was really a fascinating episode and scary for me. Yeah, you see that with, with her. It, it's it's so, it, and, and you watch her kind of walk down this path and then you watch her where, from where she, the perspective of where she is now, which is a place, at least if you believe her, of real regret and, uh, and trying to kind of make amends for the decisions that she made. And you, and, you, and you wonder, what are those steps? I think, you know, part of it, and, and one thing she said that, that was interesting to me too, is she said, uh, it was like, it's like a cult in, in the sense of um, right. you do get yourself into this position where it's very difficult to get out. Um, you know, you establish friendships there so that you, you'd be, you know, you, it's, one of, it's like a cult, you're either in or you're out. Right. Uh, you're, there's no in between. Um, also, you've, you know, you've done things, things have happened. You've said things that other people know that, that don't look, that won't look great to you. So there's a, there's a real social cost to turning around and getting, getting out of it, uh, for some people, you know, because, you know, by the time they're at that party, you know, the veil is dropped. They're, they're seeing Highland and they're, uh, it's, it's, there's, there's no illusion anymore. Um, right. This is, this is, these are violent extremists. And, um, and so, uh, but at that point, maybe, you know, this person has said or done something that has, that has, that will do real damage to them if they leave. So there's this weird sort of cultish social pressure to it as well. I agree. And and we'll stick with the Nazi theme for a second. Don't make that the show title, please, Rachel. No. (laughs) Um, Although I'm not a Nazi was a great title, but, but my, my one son asked me years ago, you know, why did the Germans not stop Hitler? Why did they not stop this behavior? And I think very similar to misinformation, disinformation in the internet age, it, it does build up and you, you get into a perspective where it, it, you get to a point where you can't back out easily. Right. Yeah. Right? Because you're, you're somewhat guilty. You're, you're somewhat part of the process at, at some point. And that, that's what I saw in, in this episode. It was it was an interesting episode. Yeah, and I think in that there's it's interesting to kind of take apart the parallels of that in Germany and, and think of the 
nationalism that fed into that, the fear of immigration and the, the other, the way that those kinds of things were exploited um, to, to, to sort of lead people down this path. Right. You have leaders that are very charismatic. They're, they're driving you in one direction. Yeah. Same thing here. Yeah. And I think the advent of the internet has just made it so much easier for yeah. these extreme organizations to not justify, but definitely broadcast their, their perspectives. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. even, even in the Seth Rich story, I mean, Fox News is, is incredibly involved in this, this story, right? Amplifying the story, whatever you believe. Like for or against, I mean, believe what you want. The amplification process is is incredible. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean that, that and that's when it becomes legitimized in the mind of a lot of people. Um, that's the problem. Right. Yeah, that's when it becomes people start to say, "Oh, is, is, people really start to quite, is this real or not?" That that's yeah. when you have that just that head spinning sense of what is what is reality and, and what isn't. Uh, of course, Fox had to ultimately settle a case with the riches uh, because this was because of uh, some of the things that were broadcast on Fox. But it's it's just um, it's just wild to me that any detail along um, in the story, no matter how insignificant, was just treated as um, as gold. And you know, yes. as long as it was some sort of breadcrumb along the way to to giving the story more credibility, it just doesn't it doesn't even didn't even matter. And every and when you're making a documentary and you're you're, you're sort of laying it out chronologically. You're seeing these stepping stones and, and you look back and they're like disappearing like, like you know, rocks in a river or something. And then you see how flimsy every step along the way was. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, but yeah, but, but some people are still hanging on to this. To the idea. But as a documentarian, correct me here, I, I feel like you've got the perspective that people don't have when they're in the middle of whatever the story is, right? right? You're looking at it, I'm assuming you're looking at it from all perspectives. You're pulling all the data. You, you've got time, you've got the big picture. Things are, in, in, in I think every one of your stories I've seen so far, they've, they've pretty much come to some, some conclusion, even if there's no conclusion of what exactly happened. But you're able to see it after the fact and the whole picture. Is that fair or eh, probably not? Well, that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, I think a documentary, you, you do have the benefit of, in some ways, hind, hindsight and, and trying to make sense of it. I think that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And it's not the first kind of round of headline kind of uh, writing. It's more, you know, you, you, you've, you've managed to sort of look back and, and, try, to, and try to piece together. I, I also think one of the things that we really try to do is try to find and, and listen to people who are to disagree with us. In fact, right. I think that's when documentaries kind of get interesting. Um, when you start to find people that are, that are, uh, subverting, um, you know, uh, any, or, 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 or have, uh, ideas that are clashing in some way. Um, you know, so right. we, we, we reached out to, I mean, Jack Berkman is in this, uh, the Seth Rich episode. Um, you know, he's talking about how he got shot in the butt. <laughs> um, but, but we also talked to, we really wanted to talk to Ed Butowski. Ed Butowski is another one of these figures that came forward and at least on the surface said he wanted to try to help the rich, the rich family, but it became clear he had also had other things happening. Um, he, uh, so, you know, we tried very hard to talk to him. We thought we, thought we would talk to him, actually. We, uh, we flew all the way down to Texas, set up the whole interview set up and, um, and start to roll the camera and his lawyer, Ty Clevenger, walks in. So. Oh, wow. 
you know, I just good old failure to appear, Rachel. Just, uh, <laughs> just did the interview with that. Interesting. And, and do you think that the, the, those people, when they're in the middle of it, I, I just I've got to imagine they don't stop to think and look. Right? What's right. the old sta- statement, Rachel? Stop, look, listen. When you're going to cross the road, right? Like, do they take a pause and say, let me gather all the facts before I go down a path I may not want to go down? I, I don't feel that happens. Yeah, there, there's, yeah. right. I mean, I think they sensed an opportunity here, either for publicity yeah. or to make a political point that they mm-hmm. thought was expedient or could be beneficial to them. The candidate, you know, the can, you know, in this case, Trump, that, um, and, and that would somehow benefit a figure like uh, Ed Butowski. Some of the emails that came out um, and text messages that came out later in, in some of the trials or, um, and were released by the uh, detective in this case, or the, the, the sort of um, private, private, investigator. private investigator that was hired by Ed Butowski. Some of those are pretty revealing. You know, Trump has his eyes on this. Trump is right. they're basically describing, you know, essentially um, at least making the case that Trump was interested in this story and, and they wanted to, to hurry up and kind of release something. And, um, you know, when you go back and you look at what they actually said and what was actually you know, the basis by which the Fox news story was, um, was printed, uh, and then, and then broadcast, there's, you know, it's very, 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 very flimsy. Yeah. It seems like it's a tough time though, for these kind of things, Brian, because I, I mean, does Fox news, don't they call themselves like entertainment or opinion or they hide behind this, you know, this uh, theme of, of how they present present information, you know, ostensibly to have a get out of jail free card to say whatever they want. And that's really scary. Well, let's be yeah. careful here, Rachel. I mean, it's on every side, right? Everybody, well, no, but it that's seems where like we the news today. is not what it was. It, it's not what it was back in the 80s and prior. Not even close. You know, I heard Ted Koppel talk about it at right. one point where the, you had to present both perspectives of an argument or multiple perspectives. Mm-hmm. I think the news has changed quite a bit now. But that's what I'm saying. It's not really news, right? I mean, and I'm not picking on <laughs> that's a good on point. one outlet over another. I'm just saying we're at this landscape today where it's all opinion and they hide on, you know, I, I say guise of opinion or entertainment. You know, don't take what we're saying seriously, right. but people actually do. And it's you know, like Twitter and misinformation. You can say whatever you want and some people will choose to believe it and not fact check it. Uh, and that's that's kind of scary when you're, you know, the TV is a powerful thing. And, you know, there are the guardrails in place, right? You're not allowed to say certain words before a certain hour of the, of mm-hmm. the evening and, you know, children programming. But yet these kind of things can happen throughout the day, depending on the cable news channel. And I, I just think that's really interesting. And this was a great kind of example of, of how that the genesis of that really kind of spurred forward. Yeah. As you say that, I just got a Fox News alert from Apple News about Amber Heard's expose on Johnny Depp. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, perfect timing. Critical. But back to you, Brian. <laughs> um, yeah, when it comes to news and, and, and the state of information right now, I, I think there's a couple of things that are really pretty profound forces happening. One, one is just that the the, um, the internet in general and has, um, it, you know, the, 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 the news industry, the journalism in general has just had its financial underpinnings decimated. Yes. Yes. And it's just, I mean, we were saying that five years ago, we we're saying that 10 years ago, uh, it's really brutal. And, and so, so many, so many, um, news organizations, you know, local news, uh, in particular, which I think it's really, uh, particularly egregious on a local yes. level in different, in different 
cities and stuff. So many, so many, so many, so many fairly large cities have lost their newspapers um, and and just don't right. have that kind of reporting or that kind of that so much of that tradition of 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 really looking for you know speaking truth to power, looking mm-hmm. for looking you know for the dangers to, to or, or or events or you know just news in general of people's communities it's just really evaporated um and then you've got that at the national level too and although some of the you know they say the new york times is doing better than ever or the washington post has managed in some ways to to look for these kind of subscription models that work mm-hmm. but um but we're experiencing a lot you know i think it's you don't want to underestimate the effect that that's had on our information mm-hmm. environment just in general it's 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 really you know reporters investigative reporters are are having troubles in ways that are that's that's brand new. Mm-hmm. So you add that with um, uh, easy prevalence of you know uh, the position of social media in our lives and and the way that that can be kind of algorithmically juiced in various ways by fact by entities that we don't even quite know right. uh, who's doing it. Um, it, it creates a it, it creates a real crisis in in understanding understanding our world and the, and the forces at play. It's it's almost hard to tell what's real and what's not real today. You know, yeah. you you really it's really difficult. Yeah. like it's really tough. Okay, so so Jeff Bezos buys the Washington Post, mm-hmm. protects that. Elon Musk may or may not buy Twitter. Doesn't look like it's going very forward favorably for them. Um, may or may not protect our our. Uh, <laughs> approved news outlet. But other than that, what should our listeners do to get to the truth? Because you're not doing a document, a documentary film on everything in their lives, right? There isn't always somewhere to go where you can get the authoritative source distilled down. And they can't do their own research many times to the extent, certainly not to the extent you and your crew do. So what do you do? That's true. <laughs> so you you look for those those you just you just look for and champion those outlets that you think are still that are still kind of approaching it with those that traditional fact checking kind of journalistic. You know, I think some of it's fractured too. You end up following different um, different actual reporters or right. like different figures that you think. Okay. Perfect. But you're but you you are have. It's it's interesting that we we have so much information now and so much more access to information, but in, in in a lot of ways, what that really means is that you have to you have to be more engaged with it and, mm-hmm. and understanding it, and it, it is more. I think this is part of what you're saying is you have to be kind of involved in it a little a little more, and um, and that I think so. people find yeah. that kind of exhausting uh, for sure. But it is a a degree of skepticism across the whole the the. the uh, the whole media landscape um, that just has to kind of be there. And that, that sort of media literacy is just part of our, everybody's lives now. I think that's a great term, media yeah. literacy. Like, how do you think, how do you think through something, a, p- a piece of news that's put out there and validate its its authenticity, validate that it's good? I mean, I, I guess you could watch CNN and Fox and meet somewhere in the middle. I do that sometimes. <laughs> I tune into the BBC, who I consider to be a more trusted, authoritative source on 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 the news than a lot of what we have here. But but it, it is difficult to like. How do you? I, I'd love a class in in I was going to say college, but probably high school mm-hmm. that would teach students how to think through a problem such as this: disinformation, misinformation. 
how to understand the tools that are available, how to understand the interests of the people who are publishing, whether it's the internet research agency from Russia or it's the local, the local whack job from downtown who lives under the bridge, mm-hmm. right? But, but they're getting their word out there. I mean, if you, if you see a semi-naked person with a homeless sign protesting in the street and bringing God to you, I think a lot of people question that in, in the city. Right. <laughs> but that could just look but when like it's a not normal that person obvious. online. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Meet, meet Jesus at 6 p.m. by the, yeah. the Safeway. Like, probably not going to happen. Go to that Twitter person's Twitter account and you know, it looks more official somehow. It, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but when it's not that obvious, when it's, when it's a news channel or it's on the internet or, I mean, Seth Rich was, you know, the, the whole, the whole, uh, WikiLeaks yeah. type interaction mm-hmm. there. Right. How, how do we teach the, the up and coming generation to, to think critically through the information that they're getting bombarded by so that they can be more normalized? And I don't even know if that's the right way to look at it. Well, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more that this could, this should be, this should be deep in our, uh, uh, school curriculum, um, for sure. You know, you, I, I, you know, give screenings occasionally and talk at colleges. And I, I do think there's a growing awareness and, and engagement with this sort of thing. Um, but I can't happen soon enough. I have right. a nine year old son who likes to watch Minecraft videos on YouTube. And so I've mm-hmm. had multiple, we have all sorts of restrictions in place as you can imagine, but I also yeah, wait till Minecraft says vote for Joe. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Actually bad, bad example. Yeah. Vote for Bob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And your, your nine year olds like dad, are we voting for Bob yet? Yeah, yeah. What, what are you talking about? Who's Bob? I know. Dad, we're voting for Bob this year. I want you. I mean, no, we've had to have these conversations wait. about, yeah. about what, you know, uh, about what it is, what YouTube is, what, how it could be. And, and to try to describe this, uh, there, you know, there are figures that are misleading figures. There's, things are not true. That you know, you have all, you know, it's it's a dip. You're 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 sending them into this this world where there's this kind of infinite number of um, potential kind of influences, and and so you know that it, it can't happen soon enough that people are that kids can are become aware of this information environment that they that they start to kind of understand how this is constructed. Is it happening? I think so. I mean, he gets it. He wants to watch Web of Make Believe. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready for that yet. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me ask you the real question. Do you have a career for life here on these documentaries? Do, because, yeah. because we're never going to solve this problem. Yeah. Or are you worried about your, your next 10, 20 years of filmmaking? And I may need to switch subject matter because this problem may be solved by America. At some point. Right. Or pick your country. Well, I think you know, it's actually, it's a funny question, but I, I think. I think you're employed for life. In some, <laughs> in some ways, it's a deep question but because, you know, we, we have information has been manipulated for forever. Right. And, and so, um, you know, this is, if you go, if you go back in history, it's involved in a project I'm kind of working on now. You're seeing, you're seeing things like election interference and, and, and false stories and kind of red flag kind of stories, you know, false flag sort of stories all the time. Um, you're seeing use of these same tools uh, for quite a long time, and and you and you you do see humanity and you know kind of reacting to each new technology that comes along. Yeah. Right, radio comes along and has a very profound effect. In fact, on Germany, uh, right during you know pre World War II, um, so you know t- television, you know th- these things 
have a way, and then cable television, right, which is where some of the standards, the sort of fair, fair uh, right. standards, sort of those laws kind of go away. So you you start to see us reacting to these changes in, in technology, these shifts in the way that we get information, and we have to figure it out. We have to figure out what's how to deal with it. And I think we're in a maybe one of the most profound, and the internet is is just as or more profound than any of those in trying to deal with it. And we don't think we're through it yet. I don't think I think it's going to be a while before we're, we get it. Um, but, the, but there'll be more things too, right? There'll be other, other stuff. And I, I do think that anytime there's a new technology, there are people going to use that technology. 100%. And I think it's almost always smart to look for the dark side. Because, you know, we're attracted by the fun stuff. Yes. Because technology is great. Technology is exciting. It's fun. It's, you know, it's the, the, the famous line, you know, that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Um, this is true. This is, we are tool creating creatures and this is the most exciting thing that we can do, but we don't see that there's also a dark side to it mostly, you know, cause that's not, that's, that's the, that's not the fun part at the beginning, right? right? Well, it's fun for some people. Yeah, it's fun, but it's true. Right. But it's also, you know, look, it's new too. So we don't know what to look for. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, so, you know, I think that as technology shifts and changes and becomes more profound, and there's no stop to that, um, there, there will be uh, both kind of wonderful things to come out of it and also um, and also really challenging things that will hurt us as a society that we'll have to kind of deal with. Yeah. It's, uh, that, I think that's a good segue to this extortion episode. Um <laughs> Which Let's is, go from dark. Oh boy, from here we go. To darkness. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because I <laughs> from Nazis to sex sextortion. Now there's a show title, Rachel. And it was it was interesting watching it too because I'm like, wait a minute, all these all these girls are in the same area, mm. um, you know, and and then to find out who it was, I don't want to ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, but. Um, it, it was just interesting to see that because it really opened my eyes on how the mechanisms of it worked. Because, you know, I don't know any teenagers that have gone through it. I don't have children of my own, you know. So in, in my little, you know, reptilian brain, I'm like, why would you do that? That's crazy, you know, but I'm also mm. not like 14, 15. Yeah. Um, right. You know, it, but to have watched that and then there was this other uh, documentary that came out that is anyone up about, uh, what was it, Hunter Moore to, to watch that and then... Yikes, you know, oh, right. yeah. yeah, to, to, to have seen that and then juxtaposition to kind of what, what, uh, the sextortion episode, um, is really, really scary and eye opening how, how you don't have control over like your phone or your social media. It's so easy for somebody to, to be able to get access and that you think they're a friend and they're not actually a, a friend. And that was what it broke my heart. For these for these women, um, but it's it's like how do you you almost have to lock your life down and who can live like that? Yeah, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, it's like you have to completely change the way you want to live and interact with people, and that just doesn't seem realistic. Yeah, it's horrifying, right? I mean, it's it's a modern, it's a it's a kind of uniquely modern horror. You know, I mean, not that people have been you know bad in all sorts of ways before this, but to to be uh, sort of preyed upon by a figure that, that you don't, you don't know where they are coming from. You don't know where this right. is coming from. It could be anywhere. It could be anywhere in the world. And that, that seems uniquely, uh, uh, you know, it seems new to this moment. 
that, or at least, you know, this, this period of time where, you know, it, to, to, to have the added horror of not understanding where the threat is, right. um, is really, really, uh, bizarre. And then to be so kind of immersed in this digital world of social media in which was, which is a reflection of your own personality and your right. interests. And you've posted so many things online. It's who you are. It's who you communicate to be yanked out of that, locked out of it. Um, because this person has managed to get the password and, and gotten control of your account is also, uh, is, is horrifying. It's, yeah. it's horrifying in, in, in ways that feels, that feels very new. Um, so, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel that th- that story in general is really opening up a whole world that, that, that we're starting to try to learn how to confront. It's I I wonder too. I mean, there's there's always kind of this cascading fallout effect, and and Eric knows. I always talk about going off grid. You know, why don't we just unplug? Because it just seems like an absolute nightmare. But she doesn't. So she's on the dark web. She's on Twitter. She's on uh, TikTok. Mm-hmm. That's right. You can doesn't use uh, multi-factor authentication. But anyway, Rachel, continue. But it, it almost seems like we need to unplug, Bryant. You know, and I, I wonder if, you know, the kind of the, the younger generation, I don't know what they're called these days, Gen Z or whatever. But mm-hmm. I mean, you, you wonder if you get so disgusted as a youth, you're like, I don't know who I can trust and feel like I'm being exploited. Do, do you see it kind of going the other way? And like, you know, did any of the the teenagers that you spoke to, like, you know, what, we're going to be a Luddite. Uh, I'm only going to deal with in real life stuff. I, I'm going to put the phone down or, you, you know, do we see any kind of like societal changes coming out of all of these, these bad things to try to get a better handle on it? No, uh, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't really see. Okay. <laughs> Gen- Generation Alpha, by the way, is next, oh, Rachel. Goodness. Okay. Oh, I just wow. looked it oh, up for you. Yeah. 2010 to onward. Generation Alpha. Wow. In fact, Brian, you have a Gen Alpha in your oh house. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. Wow. Um, but you, you were saying, Brian, no. <laughs> <laughs> very, very crisp no. Yeah. Well, I don't think, I, I mean, I would just say I don't feel like I see many people wanting to turn away from the technology, especially right. young people. I think they, they, they want to dive in and they want to, it's, it's exciting and interesting and new. And they're, well, in fact, they and are. And they're attracted to it. And, and, I, and I, you don't hear that often where it's like maybe we need a, to, to a break. You hear that often, more often from, Gen Z than, uh, right. <laughs> but, um, but, but, uh, you know, I, the sextortion story is to me is really, it's, it's really interesting when you, when you think about how it played out, mm-hmm. um, in terms of how to solve it maybe, or how right. to not solve it. Maybe that's not, we're not there yet, but it's, you know, it's, you know, first of all, I mean, the first person you meet in this series is this woman, Mackenzie, right? And she goes, to these great lengths to uh, to go to the police, but in, and when she goes to the police, she finds out they don't even know what an IP address is. Right, right. So they don't have even the most basic tools to understand what she's saying or what she's going through, and they don't take her seriously. That's super frustrating, right, for her. But then you have all uh, this group of other uh, women in this that are that are uh, going through the same thing, and they are starting to figure it out. Right, they're they're starting to kind of draw connections and trying to. Um, just trying to whatever clue they can get they start they begin to talk to each other they come for i think a really powerful part of that episode is they start to talk to their, yes. their mom and their and the rest of it and it's really it's really kind of amazing when they sort of set aside the potential shame of something like that right. or this or the fear the emotional fear that they have or the, or the maybe the desire to just kind of go one one woman that uh 
obviously talks about uh, committing suicide. Yeah. So she's really, really, really upset about this. But then ends up talking to her mom about it, connects with other women that were going through this exact same thing um, uh, to the point where they start to kind of draw these sort of technical, get these technical clues, mm-hmm. uh, put things together, finally find an authority figure in Rachel Moulton that is, um, you know, that's sympathetic, that wants to figure it out too. And so, so it's both of those things. So it's, I mean, it clearly, it starts with a better kind of, you know, we're all part, part of, I think the idea of this series is this reverberations, this kind right. of, um, earthquake that we're all experiencing when it comes to new technology and information and how we live our, our, our lives as, as highly evolved apes, essentially in this, uh, sutured into this new technological, <laughs> highly technological electric environment. You know, how do we, how do we do this? And, and clearly, uh, we don't live in a world in which authorities figures or police can't know what an IP address is anymore. <laughs> that can't be a thing. No. And, and, and I think it's also maybe in a more powerful way, you know, the, the talking, the fact that these women are, are talking to each other and are stepping past that kind of shame and, and trying to figure it out themselves. And so it's that awareness, uh, of this as a crime, this as something that, that is a, a predatory thing. Um, combined with a greater awareness of authorities and police, that that is that is steps towards trying to figure this out. Yeah, and living online and being online in ways that that is comfortable for everybody. Um, that isn't, um, but but uh, but I, I don't know if it's if we're ever if we're ever going back. You know, I don't think we're ever going back to a yeah. place where we're not using these tools. So the the, the 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 path is forward, but how do we make this a better environment for ourselves? Yeah. As you're speaking, Brian, I'm, th- I'm trying to think back to a technology where we went back. We walked away from it. And, and the, the, the biggest one's probably in nu- like nuclear weapons. We haven't used them again, but we have nuclear power. We, we still have nuclear weapons and the threat of nuclear right. weapons. But I can't think the radio, the television, the internet. I mean, pick your technology tool of choice. Yeah. I can't think of one that we actually rolled back. Yeah, I agree, although... I'm not so sure about nuclear weapons, though. I mean, the, the I, INF I, treaty. I, granted, it's a stretch. The treaty has. We certainly yeah. didn't roll them back. Yeah, they're still there. Probably, yeah. probably uh, pretty close to as bad as it's ever been. Yeah, dude, it's funny. We have been looking at this a little with the new project too. Nuclear. There's oh, new show. Yeah. I'm digging it out of it, Rachel. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's. I think we're we're the the the, the threat is growing of nuclear. Maybe I don't want to derail. Agree. Derail your thought, but uh, it, you know the the tra- treaties are kind of melting away, and the New Start Treaty, uh, if it's if it's um, uh, if it's kind of re-upped in the next few years, uh, that'd be a good thing. If it's not, you know, things are not great between the United States and Russia. If it's not, there are no more nuclear treaties. So right. everybody's United States is making intermediate range nuclear weapons. Russia's making China's going China's going crazy with them. They're going from 300 to probably 750 nuclear weapons in, in the next uh, um, oh, I thought it was even more. But but again, yeah. a technology that, I mean, there probably isn't a technology out there that we've rolled back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I'm see sorry, it happening. nuclear rant for a second. You're right. You're right with that. No, no. I mean, it, I, that's as close as I can get because we actually used nuclear weapons in 1945 yeah. and then haven't used them on people to date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, so no maybe problem. we withheld some of that, but every other technology, and we don't have to talk weapons. I mean, radio, television, the internet, yeah. automobiles, they continue to progress. They get more ingrained in our lives. Maybe, maybe like radio, they change and they, and they fade out to some, mm. in some manner, right? The horse and buggy faded out and became the automobile. Mm. Um, I don't know what the internet will or its replacement will be in in twenty one fifty two, but it, there's probably something on it's there. It's right? all oh, for sure. Yeah, I think we're we going to have gonna be yeah. private internets. That's what I think. That's my prediction. I think we're all going to uh-huh. have our own little private internets, and I can invite you to it, and it's protected by a VPN, and you know, we, which you don't which use, which I don't use exactly. <laughs> it's, it's either that or unplug. You know, I, I think it's going to get more restrictive. And I mean, if you can't trust anybody, then, you know, yeah. you got to create this little bit. I, I, I would argue, I think our, I, I, I think our level of acceptability will, will decrease or, or will increase, excuse me. Right. So, yeah, so there are nude pictures of me online, whatever, whatever they're yeah. out there. Uh, so I said this, I said a lot of things. Okay. Yeah. We, we almost become more numb. Mm. Yeah to the amount of information that's out there. And, and let's be honest, we keep putting the information out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Brian, I think you have uh, topics for the rest of oh my time. Gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a great career choice. You'll be, you could make documentaries on, on these types of topics around misinformation, disinformation for probably the rest of your career. Well, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a big, big issue that we're facing right now. The, just the way that technology yeah. has shifted our whole lives and the way we see truth and and, and who we are, a sense of identity, and the whole thing. And I think we're dealing with it right now. We're trying to figure right. it out. And just the cracks in the system. You mentioned too. you have a not. Sorry. Say again, I was just, saying, just the cracks in the system, too, Brian. I mean, I, that seems uh, it's like yeah. the whole Stingray, the two part episode there. You know, these there's always going to be cracks in the system, and there's always going to be people that can figure out how to exploit them. You know, and and I think yeah. that's what's so fascinating too, on kind of what you do in documentary filmmaking, you know, there's, we, we're going to plug these holes, right? We plug the mm-hmm. holes uh, and then, oh, but there's some new holes that we just created because we just, you know, innovated some more. We got this great new technology, whatever that is. Um, and, and that's just as fascinating to me, you know, how, how do you uncover the cracks in the system and exploit it? Um, you know, do you ever get ahead of that? I don't think you do. Yeah. And what, what's so fascinating about the Daniel Rigmaiden story to me is that he, yeah, he was, um, you know, he, he was such a savvy sort of person that was able to kind of figure out, um, you know, this, this, this sort of, uh, these, these cracks in the, in the Crazy, tax yes. system where he could do this weird hack where he could, you know, file fraudulent tax returns essentially at scale and uh, hide all the tracks of everything and that do was a whole genius. system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then the system that caught him, the stingray, um, is, is, uh, is exploiting a kind of security thing. I'm sure you guys know more about this than I do, the security of cell phones and uh, cell towers and everything else, this sort of um, man in the middle kind of thing with the stingray. And then, um, but then the, then, the, then the twist is what's, what's right? What, what's the right use of those kind of technologies? Right. Considering that we have the Fourth Amendment and um, that's supposed to protect us from illegal searches of our places, artifacts and, and things. So, um, how does that, how does that basic right to, to not be searched, how does that, how does that find its way in the digital age as well? Uh, now that 
things are radically different and all of that means something very different. So um, it takes this kind of bigger turn that, that is, I think, a very legitimate question about, about Absolutely. Our, our freedoms now in this digital yeah, or, or lack thereof, because I think a lot of people don't know what their rights are. In some areas, it's a gray area. If you're in an airport and they're like, give me your phone and give me the passcode. And you're like, Wait, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, that first answer is always no. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we'll detain you. Unless for the you're next a bad person, days. then it's okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Rachel, it is it is Aww, that time again, this is though. Sad. This has been wonderful, Brian. Really great. appreciate great your time. To talk to you guys. Well, there might be a season two coming. Yeah, up. hey, yeah, we'll see. That would be great. Yeah, and endless stories. Well, congratulations on, you know, just such great work and, and such powerful but important stories that need to be heard. Yeah, you know? so thank you. So great. thank you for doing that. Um, it's It's not easy, I know. You know, it's like in investigative journalism, it, it, you know, kind of on steroids. It's it's mm-hmm. a lot of hard work and, you know, you got to put it together and then get it out in the world somehow. And and uh, so, you know, congratulations on on just really, really great work and storytelling. And we Thank need more you. of Appreciate you it. out there. I hope your son follows in your footsteps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So if our, our listeners want more, go to Netflix. Most everybody should have a subscription at yes. this point. Web of Make-Believe, Death, Lies, and, and the Internet. Yes. Brand new for 2022. There, there are six episodes. One's a two-parter. And you can get a lot more context about what we were discussing. And, and hopefully, Brian, we see a lot more of your yeah. work in the and future. It's it's really, really well done, well produced, well shot, and, and impressive. Cool. And Thank you very much. I appreciate it. As is your IMDP DP, DB page. I was... Uh, <laughs> I, was, I didn't realize how much of your stuff I had seen over the years. Oh, cool. Isn't that funny? Nice. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. And so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes as well because um, everything that you've done is – it's it, they're all very important, you know, stories that need to be heard and, and thoughtful. You know, it, you kind of walk away. I have a lot of questions and I have to think about things, which is what I want out of a good, you know, documentary. Yeah. So. Cool. Thank you. And we can also find Rachel on IMDb. So listeners, look her up. Okay, Rachel, take us home. (laughs) All right, Brian, well, thanks again for joining us. We really enjoyed today's conversation. And and to all of our listeners, as always, thank you so much for joining us again this week. And and as always, you know, if you you hit the subscription button, you get the episode delivered right to your inbox every Tuesday. um, And we keep them coming. We have have great guests like Brian that come on that we're so fortunate to speak with. Uh, and, and you get to learn from, from all the amazing insights and work that he's put into his work. So thanks again for joining us. Until next time, be safe. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. 